0: Hey, everybody, this is Ruben, and you're listening to Amazing Stories. Stephen King's Salem's Lot. Dramatized in seven episodes by Gregory Evans. Episode 5.
1: All of a sudden, we weren't dealing with shadows anymore, or superstitions. We'd both seen them, Father.
2: Vampires.
1: We'd stepped off the firm, sunlit ground of ordinary life into swamp and fog. And we knew we could never step back again.
3: Tell me more of that... Terrible evening. You, Senor Mears, you were still at the Martians, yes? The creature had gone.
1: One moment she... It was there, laughing at us. The next, there was just the lamp shining on the bare wall. Jimmy, screaming. I cleaned the wound in his neck and helped him to his feet. Then out of the blue...
4: There's one more thing I have to do. Something I don't like. What's that? Help me up, Ben. We could be in big trouble. We must get our story- <laughs> Oh! I
5: oh, know.
4: Sorry, old buddy. But oh. it's easier if you don't know it's coming. Huh? I'm damaged <sighs> enough. I'll pass muster. But uh. you needed a few bruises. What for? To back up our story. We have uh. to stay out of jail, so we're free to fight those, those things, whatever they are. So it's got to look convincing. Let's take a look. Convincing? You just broke my jaw. It'll be tender for a while. You'll live. Now, let's get it straight. Someone barged in here while I was examining Mrs. Glick. He slugged you, then grabbed me. In the struggle, the... 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 someone bit me to make me let him go. On the neck? He was 6'1", heavy build, wearing a denim jacket and a blue knitted cap. We'd never seen him before. He... he jumped us. It it all happened fast. Have you ever thought of giving up doctoring for creative writing? I'm only creative in moments of extreme self-interest. You're the expert, Ben. Will it do? Well, it's a little thin, but... At least this isn't the first corpse to vanish, so there is a precedent. I'm hoping they'll add that in. Now remember, Ben, we're criminals now. And Parkins Gillespie isn't the hayseed he pretends to be. Uh, Constable's office? Uh, Parkins, Uh, Jimmy Cody here.
3: And you, Mark? What were you doing on that evening?
2: Going to the Marston house to kill a vampire. This was earlier, of course.
3: Why... Of
2: course. I had to be there before dark. I'd taken my dad's target pistol. I know bullets are no good against them, but I reckoned it should punch Straker's ticket. And I had a cord of yellow ash from the woodpile, sharpened to a point. I was near the house when I saw someone else in the woods. A girl. I hid behind a tree. As she came closer, I realized she was heading for the same place as I was, for the same reason.
3: How did you know that?
2: She was carrying a length of snow fence. That's snow- not good. One hit with uh, a uh, hammer splinter?
6: Oh, t- You uh, idiot. Skulking around like that, uh, you almost gave me a heart attack. You're Susan <sighs> Martin, right? And you're Henry Petrie's son. Mark. What are you doing here, Mark? Same as you. Only, like I say, that stake's too flimsy. This? Uh, I just picked it up in case someone fell over it. Don't pretend. You came here to kill the vampire. Oh, don't be ridiculous. Vampires. <laughs> one of them tried to get me last night. Almost did oh, That's too. silly. You should know better it than... It was Danny Glick. You're making this up. He was outside
2: my window, holding on like a great fly. His eyes were red,
6: burning, his teeth... Stop it. You believed that, and you came up here alone. Believe it? I saw it. Why are you here? Some friends of mine suspect that there may be a man in this house who no one has seen. They think he might be a vampire. So you've come to pound that stake through his heart. I've come to find out. The stake is just I mean I don't know if I could do it. I could after
2: what I saw last night.
6: So how do we do it?
2: We break in, find him, pound the steak for his heart.
6: What about Straker? He's in town.
2: They like the dark, so i will probably be down the cellar. Did you bring a flashlight? No. Damn, neither did I. Bet you didn't bring a cross, either. Yes, I did. Hey, snap. Take it from my mom's jewelry box. She'll kill me if she finds out. Let's go. Late Wait on. Don't look in his eyes. Can't move out of his coffin. Not until dark, but he can hook you with his eyes. Mark, I don't know about this. We've got to. The ground floor windows are shutted up. We can get in up there. Give me a boost.
5: Must have been quite a fella. Lays you two out, lifts the corpse clean off the slab, and waltzes out of here. Tell me, did he break into a sweat? I uh, didn't notice, Constable. And what were you doing here, Doc? I uh, came to check
4: the body for infectious encephalitis. I had reason to believe that's what killed Mrs. Glay. Oh,
5: and uh, was it? No, almost certainly not. And I just finished my examination when the man burst in. Well, it's a pity your description of the guy ain't a tad more detailed. Uh, it all happened so fast. And how come you're in on this, Mears? You ain't a doctor. No, I'm a novelist. I know that, boy. My uh, new novel has a
1: mortician's son as an important secondary character. I needed some color. Jimmy let me come along. Hmm.
5: Maybe I could read that.
1: Uh, that part
5: isn't written yet, constable. I research first, then write. Hmm. Mysterious stranger busts in, cold cocks two strong men, and makes off with the body of a woman died of unknown causes. <laughs> Sounds like a bad movie to me. Listen, Park. Now don't you park me. Your story stinks. This encephal thing. It's it's catching, ain't it? Yes, I-, I told you. So why'd you bring the pen pusher along, uh, knowing the corpse might be infected, Hawkins? I don't question your professional judgment. You must bear with mine. Shouldn't you be finding out who stole Mrs. Glick's body? You're lying, boy. Maybe a little, maybe a lot, but I know. So if you'd care to revise your story, let me know what really went on down here. You could save yourselves a lot of trouble.
2: Mind the glass.
6: what the beam this is the room where hubby marston hanged himself the room Ben broke into as a kid oh my god it's almost unbearable here what is stink it's more than just bird droppings and plaster rot it's a smell in the mind come on it'll be dark soon we don't have much time
2: Susan, can you feel it? What? We're not alone. The smell is getting even stronger. Mark,
6: I'm frightened. Me too. Hold hands. Yeah. There. The cellar door.
2: James, help me.
6: Only darkness. Mark, I can't. I can't go down there. You must. I
3: need you. Mark! Let me help you, little master.
5: Straight up! Now, this isn't a traffic violation we're talking here. Four deaths in the lot, four bodies gone missing. Well? We've told y'all we know, Constable. There's nothing to add. I could toss you both in the can. Ah, but the greenest kid out of law school could spring you on what I got. Suspicion of unknown hanky-panky. And I bet your lawyer ain't fresh out of law school, is he, Doc?
4: No, Parkins. He's not.
5: Yeah, well, I'd do it anyway just to piss you off. Except I get the feeling you ain't lying because you broke the law. You're both scared out of your skins. You look like some of the crazy guys I saw in nam Shell-shocked. <sighs> Ah, go on, get out
2: of here. When I came round, Straker was carrying me upstairs like a sack of sand. I opened my eyes a crack. Peeling wallpaper, bare boards, a landing coming up, and thin sunlight through a filthy window. So there was still hope.
3: You can't fool me, young master. (laughs) I know when someone is playing the possum. Here, in this room, my master's friend and sponsor in this country hanged himself many years ago. Such a waste. No, (laughs) no. I have removed your little pistol. Boys should not have such weapons, nor should they bring young ladies uninvited into private houses.
2: What have you done with her?
3: Uh, Miss Susan Norton... Taken her to the cellar where she wished to go. And soon, when the sun goes down, she will meet the gentleman she came here to meet. No! Don't no, 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 be jealous. Your turn will come. He may give you to her, but I rather think he'll deal with you himself. Miss Norton will have friends of her own to visit. Get up, young master.
2: What will you do with me?
3: Truss you up, like a spring chicken. <laughs> if you struggle, I will take my thumb and pop out your eye.
2: A striker tied me up. I looked round. The side of the house was already dark, and the room was full of shadows. In the gloom, I could see the beam where Hubie had hanged himself. Wallpaper lying in strips on the floor. A bare-iron bed.
3: Uh, do not be afraid, young master. You feel a little sting, like a doctor's needle, and then sweetness. I
2: could see something else, too. Something Straker couldn't see, because he wasn't looking for it.
3: Then you will be free to visit your mother and father your young friends
2: I could see the window where we got in and underneath on the bare boards the broken glass
3: (sighs) when we meet again young master you will like me better
2: (laughs) it seems to take forever My dead fingers gripping the splinter of glass, soaring it back and forth, back and forth, a quarter inch at a time. (coughs) By the time I'd sliced through the last strand of rope, my hands were slick with blood, and I was so shaky I could hardly stand. I hobbled to the window and looked down. It was dark now, horribly dark. Then I heard him. I imagined myself climbing out, running, and Stryker coming after me, catching me, bringing me back. I stared wildly around the room and saw the bare iron bed.
3: Young master, I hope you are rested.
2: The leg of the bed came away in my hand.
3: I've come to take you. <laughs>
2: Monster! You monster! I've killed you. Good. Good.
5: Little monster. <sighs>
2: It's almost time. You've got to get out of there.
6: Mark, where are you? It's so dark.
2: Susan, run! down and I'm gonna destroy you
1: after we left the mortuary Jimmy drove me home to Eva's boarding house later standing at the window of my tiny room I looked into the moving darkness and thought about what might be out there Marjorie Glick reunited with her son Mike Ryerson Floyd Tibbetts God knows who else Then I thought about Matt Burke in his hospital bed, surrounded by books on vampires and superstition and folklore. And somehow, I felt a little better. As I turned away, I could just make out the Marston house against the sky, dark on dark. My last thought before I went to bed was, I hope Susan is safe.
6: Mark. Mark. Susan? You got home, Mark. Home safe. Go away. Let me in. Let me in. I don't know you. Oh, it's nice, Mark. Ever so nice. Let me in. I'll kiss you you all over like your mother never did. Go away! One of us will get you soon. Let it be me, Mark. I'm hungry. Here, take a look at this cross! You can't escape. There are lots more of us now.
2: (laughs) I knew then that I couldn't fight them alone. But who could help? My parents were asleep in the next room, but I knew they'd never believe it. Then I remembered something Susan had said.
6: Some friends of mine suspect that there may be a man staying in this house who no one has seen... Some friends of mine, some friends, some friends. The writer,
2: of course. The one she dated, Ben Mares. And you had to get to him before she did.
3: So that is how you two
1: met. Yeah, but that was the next day. One more thing happened that night, a terrible night. Matt Burke had a visitor.
7: Good evening. Oh, Father Callahan, good of you to come. Glad to, Mr. Burke. Ah. Uh. Oh, excuse me. Ah. Mm. Oh. You haven't called me to administer last rites from your handshake. I'd say you're recovering well from a heart attack, I hear.
8: You hear right, Father. Uh, are you a Catholic? I'm not anything very much.
7: Oh, I see. May I sit down?
8: No, please. Move the books.
7: Mm. Dracula, the natural history of the vampire. (laughs) Natural indeed. Uh, Hungarian folktales, Varney the Vampire, Monsters of Darkness. Strange reading matter for a convalescent coronary patient. Fascinating, though, don't you agree? I do, as a matter of fact. I took an interest in vampirism as a divinity student. (sighs) Is this connected with why you asked to see me? On the phone, you said it was important.
8: It is. Connected or important? Both. I'm intrigued. Let me ask you, Father. Have you noticed anything out of the ordinary in town just lately? (laughs) What? To do with vampires? To do with anything.
7: Well, the Crockets weren't at mass this morning. Mrs. Crockett never misses.
8: Anything else? The town dumps
7: closed, so Dodd Rogers must be sick. Which is also unheard of. Three stores on Joyner Avenue were shut yesterday, too, and... What? The mortality rate has been high lately. Mike Ryerson, Floyd Tibbetts. That awful business with the Glicks. Look, Mr. Burke, let's stop beating around the bush, shall we?
8: Yes, there's been too much of that already. I'll tell you what I know. All I ask is that you listen. At the center of it all is the Marston House. And so that's why I called for you... Am I crazy? Obviously not. So you're convinced? Well, shall we say...
7: Convincible? With hard evidence. Yeah, I don't look so surprised, Mr. Burke. The supernatural is my bread and wine, so to speak. Even
8: so, Father.
7: I've heard plausible tales of vampires before. First-hand, I mean, not in books. But here in America? not in Europe. But why shouldn't it come here? Pestilence spreads. Would you
8: make an investigation for me? I might. It would involve you taking along holy water... And a piece of the host.
7: Ah. Ah, Now you're treading on dangerous theological ground. Why? Because then I go not as an interested individual, but as an agent of the Holy Catholic Church. Unlike many of my younger colleagues, I still believe in the Church's mystical power. To me, it's more than just a uh, spiritual Boy Scout troop. It's a force. Understand? I understand. I also have a rather outmoded idea of evil. I... I believe evil is more than its manifestations. More than child-beating, incest, and the rape of the environment.
8: Evil is a force, too. Exactly. Well then, Father, are you prepared to put your beliefs to the test?
7: My
6: prayer weasel is that you Mrs. Moore? Oh, hi son what can i do for you does ben maris live here ben's in his room if you'd like to wait i'll, I'll go i hope if you don't mind sonny i don't think that's such a good idea
1: come in ben maris oh uh, that's me you have the advantage i'm afraid
2: my name's mark petrie i've got some very bad news for you mr maris what bad news Susan Norton's one of them.
1: No. No.
2: Barlow got her at the Marston house. But I'm pretty sure I killed Stryker.
1: This can't be true.
2: Can we talk in your car? I don't want to be seen. I'm playing hooky and I'm already in Dutch with my folks. You believe me?
1: Yeah. You couldn't have made that up.
2: I'm sorry I couldn't save
1: her. You're a brave kid. There's somewhere we gotta go.
2: The Marston house.
1: Not yet. First we gotta see a friend of mine, Matt Burke.
2: The high school teacher. He knows about this?
1: Yeah. After we've talked, we're going up to the Marston house. Get the son of a bitch who did it.
2: right through Taggart stream without even noticing. Didn't stop till I got home. My parents were worried sick. I told them I forgot the time. Dad nearly skimmed me alive.
8: And Susan came to you later that night?
2: Yeah, just like I said.
8: Ben, I can't tell you how sorry I am. I can give you something if you need it. There's only one medicine I need to move against Barlow now before dark. I agree. Matt. (laughs) <laughs> it's all happening so quickly. I phoned Loretta Starcher for more books today. The library's closed. Loretta's disappeared.
2: There are two more shops shuttered up on Joyner Avenue. I saw them when we drove past.
8: Weasel Craig didn't come back to Eva's last night. It all points to one thing. If we leave it any longer, we'll be overwhelmed.
2: Does anyone else know?
8: Father Callahan. I spoke with him last night. I think he's with us. What about your research, Matt? Anything useful? Straker was Barlow's bodyguard, a kind of human familiar. He, he came first to prepare the ground. I suspect no one will ever find Ralphie Glick. Straker sacrificed him, a sort of ticket of admission for his master.
2: Along with the dog that was found on the cemetery gates.
8: Exactly. How old is Barlow? No way of telling. But if the legends are true, he's old. He may have changed his name a thousand times and lived in almost every country in the world, though his origins are probably Romanian or Magyar. How did he get here? I suspect Larry Crockett had a hand in it, but that doesn't matter. Follows here. We must destroy him. That's what matters.
2: An ash stake through the heart. Cut off his head. Stuff his mouth with garlic.
8: We have an expert in our midst. (laughs) In movies, the staked vampire mortifies into dust. Mm. That may just be a neat special effect. If it doesn't, you must wake the coffin and throw it into running water. Right. Any questions? Uh, What about
2: all the religious stuff?
8: You're quite right. You must each carry a vial of holy water and a piece of the host. And Father Callahan must hear your confessions before you go.
1: But none of us are Catholic,
8: are we? I am. Lapsed. Well, there must still be confession. Then you go pure, washed in Christ's blood. Yeah. Clean blood, not tainted. Ben, forgive me, but had you slept with Susan? Uh, Ah, yeah. Then you must drive in the stake. First into Barlow, then into her. You mustn't falter, Ben. You'll be releasing her. (sighs) Right. Above all... Don't look into his eyes. If you do, he'll catch you and turn you against the others. Understood. You'll Understood. need garlic. Uh,
4: we can get some in Cumberland.
8: And you must each wear a white rose. I could tell you more, but there's no time. I'll pray for you. Quite a trick for an old agnostic like me. Well, maybe I'm not as agnostic as I once was. Go. Okay. And don't underestimate him.
1: It was mid-afternoon when we all piled into Jimmy's big Buick and set off. Father Callahan was wearing his full gown, a surplice, and a white stole bordered with purple. Our first stop was Jimmy's Cumberland office to pick up his revolver and a large heavy hammer. Then on to Stop and Shop, where he bought garlic. All they had. Twelve boxes of the stuff.
6: I'm sure glad I ain't going on a long ride with you boys tonight.
1: Then across town, to the northern bell flower shop
6: what can i do for you gentlemen do you have any roses sorry sir too late A man came in last friday and bought every rose in the shop if you care to what order. did he look like very striking tall totally bald piercing eyes he paid cash very unusual considering the size of the order There's a florist over in
4: Falmouth! No! But Ben, we need them! And when we get to Falmouth and find Straker's been there too? What then? Portland?
1: Kittery? Boston? Don't you see he's leading us by the nose?
2: Ben's right! Just because Barlow can't rise in the daytime doesn't mean he can't harm us. He's doing it now!
1: We
7: better stop talking and get going!
1: Jimmy came at the Marston house from below. And I was struck again by the way it loomed over the lot looking down like an idol on all the town's sins and lies. We turned into the driveway. Straker's old black packer was parked outside. And as Jimmy pulled up and killed the engine, he drew his revolver.
7: This is unhallowed ground.
2: What does that mean, Father?
7: This house has been the site of both suicide and murder. There's a new padlock.
1: Could we get in a window? Like Mark? No, no, no. We must go in boldly through the front door. We'll break it
7: down if we have to. We won't have to. In the name of God the Father, I command the evil to be gone from this house. The spirits, depart! Amazing. That's the most amazing thing. Let me go first.
1: Can you feel it? Evil. Jimmy, have you got the stake? Yes. And the hammer.
2: Come on, we don't have much time. The soul is a long hand.
0: You have been listening to episode five of Salem's Lot by Stephen King, with Stuart Milligan as Ben Mears, Teresa Gallagher as Susan Norton, and Danny Canaver as Mark Petrie. Doug Bradley played Barlow, Don Fellows Parkins-Gillespie, John Moffat Straker, Nigel Anthony, Father Callahan, Gavin Muir, Matt Burke, Kerry Shale, Jimmy Cody, Peter Yap, Father Grathon, Francis Jeter, Eva Miller, and Susanna Corbett, the florist. Salem's Lot is dramatized in seven episodes by Gregory Evans, with music composed by Elizabeth Parker of the BBC Radiophonic Workshop. The director is Adrian Bean.
8: Thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing
2: story.